This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 283 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, August 22nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And we pretty much have our voices back. Right, Yay! Winters? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Kenna, what's coming up this week? Well, this week we're trekking out the latest juicy details about Star Trek Discovery, which Brian Fuller revealed last week. In Star Trek Online news, we're back in Vegas with two on-site interviews with the members of the Cryptic Dev Team. Later, Jake is here with some more exciting items to blow your hard-earned quatloos on. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget to keep the conversation going at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week and year to year. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. And speaking of Patreon perks, this week on a very special Priority One After Hours. It's night number one in Las Vegas, so listen in while we record together in the same room for the very first time ever. I, I go toast be British. An American, I go like so. Well, at least I know I'm free. Mark, will you hit him for me? And, oh. and shut up. Is that soda? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Why was it? Oh! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Kenna just flicks over drink at Elijah and he has freaked out. For those of you playing at home with the home version, there's a breakdown. God almighty. I'm sorry, Elijah! Dude, that was like three drops of soda. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Now, let's track out the latest news about Star Trek Discovery. I don't know. Then let's track it out. So, we've been bombarding you with news from STLV for the past two or three weeks, and this week really isn't an exception. We've got some great content coming up that we recorded for you while we were there, but there's one big story that we couldn't pass up the chance to discuss in Trek It Out this week. One of the notable omissions from the big 50th celebrations in Las Vegas was any kind of big official announcement about the new TV series, Star Trek Discovery, which was teased... We'll come back to that. Which was teased at San Diego Comic-Con just weeks before. 
Those of us who were on the ground will tell you that this was an issue that didn't escape anyone. There was actually a to-be-announced panel on the main stage over the weekend, but that turned out to be the house band Five Year Mission playing a set. Uh, side note, if you have not yet heard Five Year Mission, go and download their music right now. Like, right now. Right meow. Right, right, right meow. meow. The Menagerie Part 2 is currently on repeat in my house. But I digress. For, uh, really quick, uh, Five Year Mission, their albums are songs. Each song is an episode of Star Trek, the original series. So the, and they're titled the titles of the episode. And it's they're fun. They're fun. They're a fun group. Super fun. It was rumored that the to be announced panel might be some big awesome news about Discovery, but we suspect it just didn't work out. However, on Wednesday the tenth of August, showrunner Brian Fuller addressed the Television Critics Association and did manage to spill a little more information about what we can expect from the new show. So today Elijah and I, with a little help from Winters, are gonna take you through the biggest talking points. Number one. The show will be set in the Prime Universe, 10 years before the start of the original series, so after Enterprise. Number two, at least the first season will be related to an event in Star Trek history that we've heard mentioned before, but never seen. Number three, the lead in the series will be a woman, with a strong possibility of her being a woman of color. But she will not be captain. She will be a lieutenant commander quote, with caveats, end quote. Captain Daniel Hunter at Captain Hunter 91 tweeted us when we posed the question of what you guys thought about the announcement. I like the idea of it not being centered on the captain of the ship. Something very different. Yeah, I like this too. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to give us a whole different perspective than we've seen on Star Trek before. And it will allow the writers to write some really new and interesting stories that, that can still be Star Trek, but won't be what we've seen before. It'll be something new and different, fresh. I, I don't know if it's because I think in extremes, right? I think of like Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica didn't focus on Adama. It had very many stories, and, and Adama did play a, a pivotal role. I have a hard time thinking outside of that box of, okay, so it's a lieutenant, or a lieutenant commander, rather. You know, what's going to happen with the commander? What, is it going to be as if though this is a story about Lee Adama? You know, and like that's who we follow, Lee Adama and Starbuck, and that's like the whole, the whole show. I, I, I don't not like the idea. I'm just having a hard time kind of imagining what that, that story would be. We're going to come back to this, though, because uh, one of the articles that I read on this whole revelation has some very interesting theories about the kind of dynamics that we might be seeing as a result of the lead character not being the captain. Okay. So we'll, we'll come back to that. And finally, just a few more minor points. The series is likely to focus on a diverse cast of about seven members, one of whom will be openly gay. We will see more aliens than in any of the previous shows or movies, and according to Brian Fuller, quote, there will be robots, end quote. Also, quote, all Gorn are gay, end quote. But I'm, I'm not sure that's relevant here. All right. So, you know, generally there have been a lot of questions regarding these announcements. Some reservations. One of them being, of course, why are we, why are we looking back in Star Trek history? Why aren't we moving forward? Yeah. Why are we going back to an era that we kind of already covered? I mean, it's between Enterprise and TOS. But I think a lot of people would like to see something outside of that, maybe. Um, I know a couple of people on our Twitter and our Facebook page expressed exactly that opinion. So AJ Biega on Twitter said, I really wish they moved the story forward. What's with all the prequels? 
The Firkins, he wrote, not happy that it's another prequel. Yeah, and also Leon Andrews on Facebook said, wish they would let the past go and move forward. Now, I um, I was reading an Ars Technica article on this, all about why does the Star Trek franchise keep returning to its origins. And they had a couple of interesting things to say, actually. One of the things that they pointed out was that in that era, there was no replicator. So uh, in contrast to like the, the, the Next Generation Plus, you know, scarcity was still a thing. People still had to work and earn money, etc., etc. And that brings a natural level of conflict to the storytelling, uh, which, which allows them to have a little bit a little bit more flexibility in, in the stories they tell um, and a natural a natural conflict to, to go after. One of the things that I think about and I enjoy about this prequel is that it, it's, it's not a retelling, right? I, I, I almost want to compare this a little bit with Star Wars. Star Wars was a very linear story. It had its beginning, its middle, and its end. And I'm talking even about the original trilogy. There was very little... Exposition is not the word I want to use because, you know, they, they spoke a little bit about, you know, the Jedi Order, they, but they, they didn't dwell on the past. What was focused on was Luke's journey, right? And from beginning to end. He had a father, father went on the dark side, and that was it. The, the, really, the most that we got was, was about Darth Vader, and then as a result, we got the prequels, which nobody really likes talking about. But in Star Trek... Even as we have moved the story forward, let's think, you know, TOS into TNG, into Voyager, into Deep Space Nine. There was always talk of the history of the Federation, right? I, I personally miss the fact that, that, or am sorry over the fact that Enterprise ended when it did. Because what we were getting to was the Romulan War. The Romulan Cold War, really. Right, and so in the novels, Trip starts working for Section 31, right? And it happens in, in Enterprise. Spoiler alert, sorry guys. So I, I'm okay that it's, it's prequel telling stories that, that were spoken of and never shown in Star Trek. And we've had this discussion, I've had, th I've had this discussion with Jace as well, that Star Trek had the tendency, because of budgeting, because of its... It, uh, the way television story was being told at the time that there was a lot of there was a lot of telling and not showing right deep space 9 was like it only had you know just a handful of episodes where you you kind of saw what the dominion war was in the meantime in between it was all talking about the dominion war and how it affected starfleet right here we have an opportunity of being told the story and shown Right? I would love for them to redo the Dominion War and really see. Right? That'd be, I'd be interested in that. I'd be interested in a retelling. Of, not a retelling. From a different perspective. A reinventation. Yeah, not a, not a reimagination of the Dominion War. Not, you know, scrapping what was and telling some new. But telling up, giving up, giving, yeah, like Winters, like you said, a different angle of the Dominion War. Right? The ground troops. You know, that's, I, I would love to hear that story. So... I, I feel that it's less egregious to tell a, a prequel story that we've never heard before than trying to go back and tell a story we already know, like the Dominion War, for instance. And I'm excited. I'm excited to, to, to find out what this conflict is going to be. Is it going to be about the Romulans, right? Are we in this Cold War with the Romulans, and are we going to get that story? 
or is it going to be the battle with Klingons? Right? It, you know, which one is it going to be? Maybe it's neither one of them. Maybe it's both. And and this lieutenant commander has to balance the two. That'd be a great. I'm I'm excited about this particular story. I, I want, this kind of segues into another article that I read, um, which was the iDigital Times article that posits uh, possibly the identity of who the actual captain might be. And they talk a little bit about the history of what what was been going on in in canon at that time. So I'm not an expert on this. So just hang on a second. From what I understand, there is reference to the Battle of Axnar, which happened 10 years before Discovery is set, uh, which is equivalent to about 20 years before the original series. And that was something that Apparently, Garth of Izar saved the Federation in 2245. But then after that, they were still uh, heavily in conflict with the Klingons through part of the original series. So what we could be seeing is part of the Klingon War. And actually, um, now here's the interesting bit. Okay, so in this article, they they explain the history of the man Garth of Izar, who we've heard from other places. Basically, he saved the Federation in 2245, and then sometime between then and the TOS episode Whom Gods Destroy, he was injured, critically, and then he was cured by aliens, went crazy, and then turned around and ordered his crew to then commit genocide against those aliens who had saved him. They refused and mutinied, and he ended up in an asylum uh, where Captain Kirk eventually meets him. So... It falls in the same time period. Whether they're whether they're going to go there, I don't know. It's it's that is impossible to say at this point. However, it would be an interesting theory that you're taking the point of view of the crew, so led by this lieutenant commander with caveats, whatever that means, against their captain who is trying to convince them to do something that they don't want to do and all the questions that that raises and the stories that you can tell of the people behind it it's an interesting question yeah it places it in a very interesting timeline agreed and yeah it makes you it makes you think so one of the other aspects about this not being on television is that we may see a bit of a more I'm going to say liberated Star Trek in terms of the... Sex and swearing, Elijah. Yeah, sex Sex and swearing. swearing. Yeah. And I think it's really funny, actually. Brian Fuller was quoted as saying, there's a reason why we call it STD. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Which you can't. It's not, by the way, Mr. Fuller. It's DSC, right? (laughs) But, yeah, it's nice that because they are not necessarily held to the same broadcast standards as broadcast television, they might have a little bit more flexibility with how they can portray things. Is that a good thing? I I mean, I think so. I think that I think Ronald D. Moore probably wishes he could have pushed the envelope even further with Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was they used fracking. I mean, the word fracking to to substitute. (laughs) Yeah. To substitute a particular four-letter word, here I, you know, I'm. It's I doubt that it's going to be, you know, an HBO series. It's it, we're not, you know, we're not looking at it's something that you're not going to be able to watch with your kids. But I think that it's going to push the envelope and maybe allow for a, a bit more. Some would say realistic interpretation right. of how right. a pseudo-military organization would conduct themselves. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Because, like, let's 
let's be honest, the TNG, like those guys, like they never, they never. Disney Cruise. <laughs> They never swore. You know, you know, if that was real, <laughs> there'd be, a, you know, at, at least some of the security team would be letting off an F-bomb every once in a while. And, yeah, and season one Picard, oh, are you kidding me? He would have been throwing F-bombs left and right. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there was only um, twice that they ever swore uh, for the TNG cast, wasn't there? Yeah. In the films. There was in the uh, films. Once, once in the film and once uh, in the series. Didn't Picard say meert or something like that? Oh yeah, oh, he said yeah. Mierd, but yeah, yeah well. that doesn't count. It's not in English, so it doesn't count. Yeah, God, it gets around the censors. <laughs> yeah, and then in first contact, like one of the one of the really like, oh my god, I can't believe he said it was Data. Saying, oh, Data. The yeah, Data yeah. was. Uh, that was in Generations. Oh, was it Generations? Yeah, when the Enterprise. No, to hell with our orders. Oh, but that no, no, no. Generations when he went when the saucer was. Uh, plummeting towards the planet oh yeah he goes oh shh yeah yeah i do remember that yeah. yes yes but i was thinking in first contact you know he goes to hell with oh my god data said to hell with our orders oh, oh my goodness. god oh to be fair that's pretty blue for tng right, right <laughs> yeah. i think that yes not being bound by network television and network rating restrictions you know we're gonna we're gonna see a different trek you know we're gonna see we're not gonna see a polished clean straight line immaculate type of setting I don't think and I I kind I hope we don't I really hope we don't I hope that we see something more, listen that's it's the direction the television is going right the, the the television storytelling right now at its best is about the really getting into the nitty-gritty darkness of the human condition whether it's Breaking Bad, whether it's Walking Dead, whether it's you know something as recent as Stranger Things on Netflix, it's getting into what? How is a person really going to react to this in their in this situation? And and I hope that I hope that this is going to allow breathing room for Brian Fuller and his team. Now, as a footnote to that, I agree with you on that sort of realness and almost the grittiness and being able to explore a few darker things. I hope that they don't use that and completely lose the sort of lightness and humor that Star Trek has. I mean, it's always had since the original series. TNG was very light and bright and shiny. And even, you know, even the later ones, I mean, oh, come on, Janeway, there's coffee in that nebula. Like, there's always been these sort of brighter, slightly lifting moments. So I hope they don't go too far down the sort of that modern gritty thing and, and manage to keep some humor in it. But I think they probably will. Voyager was more, was, I think, funnier than, than TNG. Like you mentioned that, you know, I, I feel that Janeway, her character had some levity, right? Where Picard was kind of always heavy, you know, even Riker, who was supposed to be lighter than Picard, also was, you know, they were few and far between. And you know what? You know, actually, when the Blu-rays were coming out for TNG, they were having uh, Fathom events. So you could go to the theater and watch them in high definition, uh, like the series, the season finale. And I remember sitting in the audience watching, um, I think it was the season three or season two finale, and and people were laughing, right? Because there was humor. But, you know, I never saw it. Like, I guess I, maybe I was young and still kind of getting into Star Trek. And No, I wasn't getting into Star Trek. I was, I was young. And, I, you know, I, I, was, I watched Star Trek almost as a drama. And it, it, being in an audience, a big audience like that, watching an episode of TNG, helped me to see it in a much different light. 
a much different perspective. And now I see the humor. Now I can watch an episode and, and kind of laugh to myself if I'm watching it by myself, which is usually how I watch them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to, be a, to be more aware of the levity that was in the series. You know, it wasn't always diplomacy and, and drama. There, was mo- there were moments that I didn't pick up on, and it wasn't until I was able to watch it with a group of people that I was able to see that. So you're right. I hope that it does not lose that. I agree. It shouldn't lose that. There should be moments because humanity. I mean, look at us at, at you know Star Trek Las Vegas. We were we were business. You know, we worked and we worked hard. And you guys worked even well. You guys picked up where I couldn't <laughs> because I was on my deathbed. <laughs> yeah. You guys worked, but we still had our moments of of levity, the moments where we laughed, and there were a lot of those. And that's what actually I hear it even in our own discussion now. How that's even changed our own chemistry. You know, and we're and we're now an ocean apart. So I agree. Hopefully, it doesn't lose its levity. So, so one other thing that I wanted to talk about actually was this idea of bringing familiar faces back because Brian Fuller also touched on this a little tiny bit. He's oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. said that first and foremost, the first season is going to be the new crew. The that's that's it. There, it's it's going to be establishing the new crew, getting people to know the new crew, and that's it. But after the first season, that's when they'll start thinking about reintroducing some familiar faces. And there's loads that they could put in there. And he's even floated the idea of somehow working Amanda Grayson, who's uh, Spock's mother, into the series. Although I don't think anyone knows how that would exactly happen. But there's, there's plenty of candidates. Hashtag bring Guinan back. Well, hashtag bring Spock, right? In theory, Zachary Quinto could come onto the show right it's it's even though he's kelvin timeline yeah but it's it's still spock yeah but it didn't become the kelvin timeline until later so it's right it didn't get right yeah so this bit technically is shared with what became the kelvin correct yes so So he we mm. could see zachary quinto and we know that zachary quinto is not afraid to jump back and forth between television and 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 film Right, he did American Horror Story during uh, between Star Trek. You know, he he will he will work if the character. You know, if he finds the character, I guess, interesting enough. Yeah, if it makes sense. You know, he has he has no fear of of going back and forth. So you know, I'm sure that if they bring Spock in in such a way that is appealing to him as an actor, and of course, if the paycheck is big enough. We may see a young Spock, right? We may see him on Vulcan, you know, uh, the way we saw him in in the first Star Trek series. Uh, I'm sorry, the first Star Trek movie. Who actually comes to my mind is uh, Gary Graham. I wonder if they bring him since he was in Enterprise playing Saval, or even T'Pol for that matter. Yep. Or to be honest, is it is it short enough time that any of the Enterprise crew could come? I think it's too far. So too a little too far, even if they were aged a bit. No, they they are aged because Scotty in the first film talks about Archer's prized beagle. Right, that's so right. So Archer Archer's old, but clearly he's alive. Yep. So they could come back. Uh, don't right. forget, Guinan and Q could both make an appearance. No, They'd Q, some, that would be brilliant. They could. It would be some shenanigans, but that, do you think? Yeah, I don't know that. I think. Oh yeah. It yeah. would have to be a, a much different Q. It's going to be, a, it would be a different cue. Yes, it would be a different cue. Yeah. 
Of course, in the very first episode of TNG, uh, it, that was apparently the first time the Q Continuum encountered the human species. So, oh, true that. Yeah. But it's not. That's not linear. Like, come on, these are like yeah, the trans-dimensional beings. So they, it, it could work. It could work. But yeah, it would be Q has typically been a comedic respite in the series. So I don't. I don't know. I don't think that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll hey, see. if they did a musical episode of Buffy. They could totally do a Q episode of Discovery. Uh, yeah, that's All right, true. they could make it a musical Q please. episode. No, of please Discovery. don't. <laughs> the only musical episode I've ever liked is the one from Scrubs. That was amazing. I liked the Buffy musical episode. That was amazing. So we've kind of got off the top of Star Trek, though. We have. We, we have. have well, yeah. only briefly. We only oh. talked about Scrubs and, <laughs> and and Buffy, but. There have been a number of articles going into extremely fine detail on all these points and scrutinizing the very little that we have so far, even more than we have. So we'll be sure to put those in our show notes, and you can find those on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO283. Now let's head back to Star Trek Las Vegas and chat to Star Trek Online content designer Ryan Levitt. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. All right, everybody, joining me here at the Priority One recording booth is Ryan Melange Levitt, content designer at Star Trek Online. Ryan, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. Good, good. Now, are you one of the new guys? I am. I actually have been here for just under a year. Just under a year. And why don't you tell us what you have done? What have you done for us lately, Ryan? Uh, so, my first uh, my first episode was uh, Temporal Front. All right. Uh, and then for Agents of Yesterday, I also did uh, Vorgon Conclusions and uh, Temporal Reckoning. And I did the Days of Doom queue. And okay, then I yeah. also did a couple of uh, blog posts. I did the uh, Steel and Karma story, and I also did the Aftermath with uh, Admiral Lita. Right, now, are you responsible for the terrible puns in some of the titles on there? Uh, if you're asking about Vorgon conclusions, yes. guilty as charged. All right, that, that was, well, it, was, it was well played, sir. Well played, sir. Chivalry Bean, uh, the uh, the community manager over at uh, Guard Frequency, probably would tip his hat to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> he's he's our, uh, one of the most guilty punters of our of our entire organization. I may so, have also named uh, minor instabilities. Okay, yeah, that was now Vorgon conclusions, though. I think that's the that's the cream of the crop on that one. Thank you. So uh, that's very nice. So uh, of all the stuff you've done so far, what's what what do you think was the favorite the favorite one? Like mine or the yeah, fans? Yours. Uh, no, you, this is about you, man. The microphone's <laughs> pointed at you. It's all about Ryan. Uh-huh. I mean, I really like all of them for different reasons, but I really like the story beats we were able to hit with uh, Vorgon Conclusions, uh, connecting it to three different series. Uh-huh. Uh, it's connected to TNG, DS9, and Enterprise, which is kind of cool. All right. I loved the... Uh, you, you were about to say something. Well, it, it, yeah, this is, you know, in, in Radio Land, you couldn't see this, but we, my eyes kind of went back and I went, so I'm going to... We, we, we're off track now, so I will okay. go ahead and take this interruption. Was this the one that it turns out that the Taksu Tot was not destroyed? Yes. This interview's over. We're done. That, that, come on. Come on. That is a total retcon, man. Come on, come on. Well, I mean, we never really know what transporter code 14 is, so we just established that it was actually swapping out a uh, explosive to make them think it was, because Charlie Picard's not a dumb person, and he's an archaeologist. He would never blow up an item of important value. So you're telling me that the Indiana Jones, it belongs in a museum, 
That's actually the name of one of the accolades from that uh, from that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. You've redeemed yourself somewhat, sir. You've redeemed yourself somewhat <laughs> by pulling that one out. Not bad. Not bad. It belongs in the museum. All right. So that, everyone, transporter code fourteen. It belongs in the museum. All right, all right, all right. Well played. So, uh, and I interrupted you. So yeah. now let's get back on track. Um, I, so, I, so I really like so Temple Reckoning. I really love because I think we have some really cool moments with uh, our, our villain cast and right. let's you see a bit of insight into how they all really work together. Huh? Temple Front was my first mission, so it was really cool, like setting up an entire expansion. Like, right. like hey, welcome to the team. We're giving you the last mission before an expansion. Oh crap! <laughs> um, and Days of Doom, like. You know, I am not a big DPS min-maxer when I play games. Yeah. So it was really cool coming up with a queue that everyone has something to do. You don't just come in with who has the best weapons. Like You want some fast ships. You want some tanky ships. If possible, you want to be able to coordinate. Yeah. But what about the healer? I can't heal the starbase. No, but you can keep the person with the uh, with the bomb alive for just that much longer in the last phase. Okay, okay, all right. So it, it was that, that was design choice to not let you heal the starbase. Yeah, we, we we were doing a lot of play testing, and we realized that if you could heal the starbase, it kind of became very trivial for one of the uh, optionals. So it just we decided right. it was better not to. Okay, okay, all right. Because that's something I, I I I'm frequently the guy that's left behind, or you know, because no no one knows to do that, and right. so I stick around there. We uh, also were thinking about the lore behind it, and it's just like, well, this is a TOS starbase, right. and you wouldn't be healing it with anything TOS-related. Yeah, you'd be using weird future tech. Right. And I'm pretty sure there are some prime directive rules that would state that you can't use future healing powers to repair a uh, starbase from TOS. Okay, we'll go with that. That's, that sounds that sounds good. <laughs> so I gave you the pass on the belongs to museum thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ride you about that one. Okay. That's good. Uh, Days of Doom. Actually, I played that one. I do like the fact that you do have to do many different things. There really is a you have to be over there, and you can't, you are detached. There has to be some communication, some coordination between the various players. You know, you can't I really swarm. did not want this to be something that you can easily solo. Right, exactly, right. It, uh, it ha you have to at least have some level of coordination. Someone has to take responsibility for different things, that's good. All right, so, so, uh, so we, we talked about your favorite. Which one was the hardest to do? The hardest? I think... Actually, uh, Borgon Conclusions was really hard. Right. Um, because, first off, we had three space maps in a row. Uh -huh. So we really wanted to make sure they felt very different. Right. And we wanted to be able to hit iconic moments from the different storylines. So it was... We had to really sell a lot of story... Like, a lot of beats. Right. And there were definite moments where we weren't sure if we were selling it. Okay. Um, and I think I think it came together. I'm... I'm the only time I took the only time it took me out of it was when you retconned the card thing. That was I, that was the, I, I just went ah. But the rest of it was good. Yeah. The rest of it worked. The rest of it worked. I mean, I think the only thing I wish I did differently was I wish I put even more green in the uh, invasion of Earth right. moment. Because yeah. now, on one hand, it's most of the war is happening on the other side of the planet because that's where Earth space talk is. So right. that's where all the big stuff would be going on. Yeah. But I feel like we were I. I don't feel like I sold the invasion enough in space. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I imagine they're keeping you around. So far. So far. Okay. You, you, you can do it. You can catch it on the next one. Catch it on the next one. All right. Okay. Well, you know, at the end of every interview, we kind of you know let let people sort of roam free. Uh, is there anything that you? I, 
the, the question we never ask a content designer is, so what are you doing? Because you're like, I can't tell you. But uh, is there anything that uh, is there anything that you see as a challenge for you coming up? Is the console thing going to make things weird for you guys? Is that going to change how you guys have to think about stuff? I mean, console, yeah, console in general is making a lot of things weird just because things that we took for granted, like control, right, now is no longer a, a given. What we can do with our our boffs are is not necessarily right. a given. Right. Our bridge officers, and of course now every bit of text we write, we have to be careful if we're talking about anything that's like a, you know push the space bars. Like nope, we now need to make sure we actually. Uh, right, right, exactly. I mean, uh-huh. obviously we don't come up with a lot of text that is how to use things, but anytime we come up with like a new mini game, for example, right. we need to determine will it be console friendly. Um, so that is definitely something that is interesting, and and right now, you know, it's it's important to all of us that we have a good launch sure. with the console. Um, you know, we we, we want to make sure that Microsoft and Sony are happy, and and above all, we want to make sure our fans are happy. So right now, we are all working on console because it just we want to make sure it is the best possible thing we can. Um, like we, we don't want to do anything half-assed. That that's very good. Now, is the Neverwinter experience uh, helping with you guys? That oh, definitely. Um, especially for the engineering side of things, right. um, because a lot of the engineers who've been working on uh, getting our our backend working with console had done so with Neverwinter, so they know a lot of the pitfalls, um, and they've been making sure that the engine is able to handle them. All right, well, hey, Ryan, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate yeah, you taking the time. Definitely. It's good talking to you, and we'll have you on again when the next time you, the next time I have a, a bone to pick with you about a story beat. We'll have you, you back on. You know where to find me. All right, all right, all right. Thanks, Ryan. Right, bye. Thanks again to Ryan Levitt for joining us. And now let's chat to Star Trek Online concept artist Hector Ortiz. All right, Captains, I'm joined by Star Trek Online's concept artist, Hector Sandman 979 Ortiz. Thank you, Hector, for stopping by and talking with me a little bit. Uh, nice to be here, man. Yeah. So uh, first, let's let's uh, talk a little bit about the convention. So it's uh, your first one, I understand. That's right. What do you think so far? Uh, so far, I like uh, the fact that it's it's. I mean, I've been in, a, in other conventions, and uh, they are mostly about buying stuff, buying buying stuff. But this one has a social factor that I'm kind of digging. I might say that this convention. This convention actually has a heart. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. come here, they meet each other. You know, it's more like a family gathering that right. happens every year. Yes, yes. That's something that I really, really like about it. I got that I'm kind of impressed that yeah. people can keep these friendships all these years and they meet here. Yeah, it's more like a retirement. It, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is. Have you met new people, new friends? What What is it like talking to the to, to the uh, players? Oh, it has been interesting because yeah. they have some some ideas. Uh, of, of how things are done and oh, what to expect. I'm not having to explain that sometimes stuff is not as they imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, some bubbles have to be burst every now and then. And but also they get some surprise. Like you know, that ship, that ship was not supposed to be for that. It should. Be, it was originally done for this other thing, and we had to recycle it because the concept was good, and we couldn't allow it to be wasted. Right. Right. So. And that's a concept that many people, it's like, whoa, that happens. Yep, that happens quite often. <laughs> right, right, right. So I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Agents of Yesterday. I mean, it's been so well received, and it's such a beautiful expansion. You know, I mean, everything has just been, you know, Star Trek Online always just puts itself one step ahead of it, you know. So talk to me a little bit about 
bringing that to life, right? Because really, it starts with you. They tell you an idea, they tell you the direction that they're going, and then yeah. how do you bring that to life? Where, where did you pull in for uh, inspiration from? Obviously, from the original series, yeah. but how do you also make it your own? How do you bring it to Star Trek Online in 2016? Yeah, the, the thing is that uh, I was trying to, to emulate more or less the design process they had originally, because when they designed these things, they didn't have anything to base. They had Flash Gordon, they have all these, these clear references. And even this new IP they're releasing next year, you can see the ship is an old ship, it's a really, really, really classic design. So, like it or hate it, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. But uh, we went to the same basics. These people were thinking about uh, naval stuff, you know, like military stuff, uh, submarines, uh, destroyers, uh, ships. So we tried to do the same. Pretty much, we were doing submarines in space. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why we, we chose to do this long spine body, you know. Right. Yeah. So th you mentioned, uh, you know, actual submarines and marine, you know, uh, naval fleets, which yes. is probably what they were basing it off in the 60s as well yeah what what era were you looking at you were looking in the 1950s world war ii kind of world even... war ii yeah world war ii absolutely yeah. absolutely we were trying to to emulate them more or less that feeling because that's that's what they were doing actually at that very same time so in order to avoid some contamination from modern design philosophies we just decided we were gonna stay there only so actually that's a good point how hard is it to not be influenced by the modern designs that sleeker faster looking body but more that cylindrical kind of shape it is incredibly hard right, it's incredibly right. difficult because you always always you always try to do this line this these two angles meet in a very TOS way mm -hmm. that maybe in our new our new designs they wouldn't meet that way maybe in, in that those angles would have something round to join them but in the in TOS they were like straight like 90 degree angles which are sometimes really kind of awkward angles right. that I have to admit that I don't like but I have to know that it actually works and I have to go with it if it works it works so it's like when you see that it's, it's planes from World War II they were horrible many times but that's how they were that's, that's what made them look the way they, the, the way they were because they have a they have a function, right? And the function comes first, right? right and that right. was really important doing the TOS ships, right? Right, right. I want to pull up some of the uh, the artwork that uh, we're going to end up sharing. Um, I want to open up this this particular concept art of a Starfleet ship. So we're looking at this uh, an Agents of Yesterday battle cruiser, and you know, actually, surprisingly, so in the concept you have the bridge, you have this little uh, bridge between the two nacelles, yeah. which is also reminiscent of a little bit of a uh, Enterprise, right? Yeah. The NX kind of yeah. Class. Many, people, many people compare it with the with the with the NX. It wasn't in mind at the time, but I can I can totally understand why people say, hey, this is like an NX. Yeah. Now. In this particular model, again, we're not you, we're not seeing a neck no, that was no like neck. typical of, of that TOS. Yeah, you know, when when putting a design like this together, were you kind of thinking, like, what were you thinking? Were you thinking NX at all? Or do you even no, nope. you know, not even no, nope. no, 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 not no, even. No. Yeah. The, the thing is that some some of those designs were changed during revision. 
For example, the the nasals here are pointing up, more like uh, pointing up. In my original design, they were pointing down. Okay. More, okay. more. Uh, to, so, so the profile of the sheet was a bit uh, slimmer from okay. the side. Okay. Uh, the profile. Nice, nice, nice. But uh, some, uh, my ideas was like, oh no, no, let's let's raise that thing, and so we decided to raise it up. All right. Uh, how about? And actually, so we've got also Agents of Yesterday, which came out also with several of future ships that we, you know, we've only heard of in the novels, for instance, like the Enterprise J. I want to open up this particular one. So, did this one make it into the game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, we're looking at the uh, Century Science Vessel. Nautilus. And so... All right. So where, how, where did this come from? Where, where, where did you get inspiration from to make this ship? We have the what was the name? Oh my gosh, so many ships. Uh, what's the name? The, the Perseus. The, the yes, yeah, with the bulbous part of the front. Yes. Yeah. The thing about those ships is that every ship done for the for the future has a correlation with the past. Right. You know. So that is more like an extrapolation of the of that class of ship. Okay. Uh, well, we were trying to be like, okay, should we risk it doing the, the saucer like that? Right, because you've got a bit of a saucer and then you have that front facing, you know, round the shape to it. The thing is that I sent it to, I sent the original concept to Sam and the saucer wasn't vertical. Okay. It was flat. Okay. So the thing is that I sent it to Sam and one day Sam sent it back to me. Because we at that point we were already working with, with 3D blocking. Okay. And okay. sent it to me Sam sent it back to me like that, like with a social like that. He was like, okay, make it work. Oh, I was like, ah. oh man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> let's see, and we decided to go risky. If we're right. gonna go risky, let's go full risky and let's see how it goes. Right, right, right. But again, you still you get that sense that this would be the next step in what we know of as 24th century ships, right? So this yes. goes, this is the next progression of future ships where it's smoother. It's It's got this shininess to it, very round, no ang no particular strong angles, but yeah, It's about progression. Curved. And right. trust me, we tried to do that sphere at the front. Oh my God. We tried so hard. We did a lot of concepts, but nothing worked with, the, with that kind of swooping Polish language. Uh -huh. The ball was too much. So we decided, okay, let's make a beefy saucer. Right, right. Otherwise, right. It, it was ridiculous all over. So when making the future ships, right, when you're looking at something like the Enterprise J, because that's really the only yes. model you have to kind of base the future yeah. on, right? It, so what do you, what do you, what else do you look for? When you're trying to predict the future, I guess, when you're trying to really set the stage for what future Starship, Federation Starships look like. Yes, the, the, the thing is that one of the, 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 the things that I was working with visually was the material. We, right, we, we yeah. wanted to do transparent stuff. Yeah. Transparent part, we, we were not able to, to, to do that. We had time limitations, we had to do some tricks here and there that, you know. We, we had no time to do. Right. So, uh, but uh, I had a complete briefing of how the ship worked. We have this, this thing, uh, what do you call the, the, the pylons. We really, everything's really thin. People were like, oh, well, how is people gonna move? I, I was like, I don't know if people even move through those things. Right. Maybe they have like the, the, the Iconium transporters. You know, right. you walk here and then suddenly you're on a nasal. Maybe those nasals, maybe they, 
they are full of stuff like labs or whatever. Maybe the nasal itself is really small, and the rest of that thing is full of other things. Right. So, but that is something, Lord, that we can keep adding. Right. 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 To, right, to challenge right. the notion of, of the future, because it's easy for me to oh, let's just draw a ship. Right. But right, right. now we have to give something else. I have to challenge people. That's that's one thing. Right. Everything has people have to be challenged. Now you mentioned the material too. You know, yes. actually, this. You know what this is reminding or is reminiscent of? Remember the movie AI uh, with the small boy, the little robotic boy, oh, yeah. uh, and then we go into the future and humans have progressed to be this bioluminescent oh transparency. Oh. Does that? Does, what? When I was doing the the now that you mentioned that, when I was doing the the Herald ships. The, the spiky ones. Yes, yes. I wanted the ships to be made in that material. Oh my good, yeah, classy yeah. with yes. stuff moving inside, but it yeah, was yeah, way yeah. too crazy budget-wise. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet, uh, I bet. Yeah, I've been looking forward to, to do that kind of That'd treatment as soon as I can. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. Oh, that's awesome. That's, yeah, it yeah. does. There, it, there's because it's like a there's a, a life to it, right? Yes. It brings in some this, this yes. dimension of life that yes. is just fantastic. Now, when you're creating alien ships for something like this, right? Well, actually, I want to talk about these like temporal ships you know these are a very far departure from the typical in the cell to pylons you know these are very swooping uh, almost I you know I want to call it the you know, bat wing kind of thing um, what do you what are you keeping in mind when designing these types of this particular type of we ship? start with the wells right we start with that that's that's our that's our guy because I mean we have the chance, we can say, you know, we're gonna ignore Canon and we can go, we don't like that ship, let's let's go crazy about something else. But we decide to actually work with the Canon as much as we can, right. even if we don't like it. Uh, I'm not saying that the was is a ugly ship or not, it's, it's, it's fantastic, I like it. It's, a, it's, actually, it's obviously a departure of the design. And we had to play with it. Right, 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 you know? right, right, right. It's more like we have to respect that. Yes, yes. Yeah. I particular I like this ship, I like this stuff. Almost like like living things. So they look like animals. Yes, yes, so yeah. That's that's more or less what, what we're doing. So this is an older style Klingon ship, an older D5. Um, but it, you know, there's actually a, a feel of newness to this. Hmm? A, new, a feel of newness, a feel of like current. Yeah. Um, now, actually, something to think about too is we saw what Klingon ships look like in the Kelvin timeline, which then you actually brought in. Yeah. So you're fighting Absolutely. both timelines. Yeah. So what? You know, how do you how do you come up with something like this? With this, like for instance, this has a connection between the the uh, the forward hull and then the back parts. You know, where where does that come from? Oh my! I, I try to go back to source as much as possible. It's more like. What I was thinking when doing this was like, okay, let's take a Klingon ship today and let's reduce the polygon count. Yeah, okay. Let's okay. reduce the poly count, more or less, more or less, until we get the square things, right. you know, the, right. the, 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 the primitives that we call. Oh, nice, yeah. So that's what we what we did there. We tried yeah. to, to go back to the primitive because that's what more or less the original artists were working with. Yeah. Simple stuff that, simple, simple cardboard, they could cut easy, yeah. model, paste together. Yeah and ship it. So oh, that's more or less what we did. Oh, that's great, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was one iteration. We did some other iterations that were really complex, and we had to keep simplifying and simplifying and simplifying until we had something that kind of, you know... That's, I, I, that's, a, great, that's a great explanation of the the method is let's just let's reduce the polygon count let's consider that back then it was cardboard and plaster I, I, yeah. I see that I see that 
But again, it doesn't lose. It doesn't lose anything. Oh, it's still a beautiful ship. Yes, you know? because they they have they have a simple design philosophy. And right, another thing right. is that when you go simple, there's less stuff for people to pick up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people see the design and there's nothing bothering them. Everything is simple. Everything is clean. So. Even the color, I was I was even thinking about not using green. I was oh, thinking yeah. about using other colors, more violets or stuff like that. that, that uh, colors that I saw in some toys. Right. right. So I was like, okay, right. maybe this is a good opportunity to bring back those those colors. But we decided to go to go greenish. So how much? You know, you just mentioned toys. You know, where? I mean, you're obviously looking everywhere. Yeah. So you're looking at toys. You're looking at the original series. Yeah. Um, Books, I presume. You're looking at, you know, some of the. No what about novel covers? And like, for instance, uh, artists will draw for a novel, like the Enterprise J, for instance, was, yes. just, was drawn for that particular novel. How much access do you have to the that library of Star Trek? Uh, and how often do you go back to it? Or do you think, you know what? I have the concept. I want to make this my own. I'm going to think of something else. Well, sometimes, sometimes, uh, depending of the de of the demand of the product, I go back to source. And we have the CBS library. Right. We have access to that. So we can go that. Also, people at work, they know much, much, much more than me about this thing. These people know absolutely everything. So if I mess up sometime, they just, nope, let's go back to this. And OK, let's, let's go back to this. Got it. Because uh, I look for Star Trek, but I also look to what's current. Right. I have right. to keep the IP current. Otherwise, we, we, right. we, we gonna get stuck in this circle. Right. We don't want to be that. Right. Know? right. This is an IP of the future, not an IP of the past. Right. So. Right. Right. Well, that's great. Well, Hector, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting with me. I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I you know, I love to talk about this because you know, as a musician, it's all about that creativity. It's all about yeah. expression, uh, and it's fantastic to be able to look at you know these pieces of art. This is really art, uh, and it's uh, it's ex exciting to know the genesis and what's going on in your mind when you're trying to create the future but written in the past right exactly. you know it's uh, it's exciting so thank you so much Hector I appreciate it sure, man. No problem. that was Hector Ortiz from cryptic studios thanks again to Hector for stopping by now let's head over to the promenade for more awesome Star Trek merchandise with Jake hey welcome back I'm Jake Cobb, and this is The Promenade. Sorry about my melancholy mood. I'm just a little bummed. Cookie's off station. The mistress of merchandise isn't with us this week. To be fair, it's really all my fault. I'm assigned to waste extraction systems maintenance, and between my duty schedule and near-endless sonic showers, we just couldn't find the time to hook up. But she'll be back next time. Well... The show must go on, so let's get to it. You know what? When the glomers away, the tribbles will play. When life gives you mucusy, disgusting serpent worms, you may gawk. Since the goddess of goods isn't here, let's talk about something she would tease me mercilessly about. Minimates. Don't know what a minimate is? Think super articulated Legos. Created by Art Asylum, minimates stand at about two inches tall which is half an inch taller than most Legos, and feature ball-jointed head, shoulders and hips, hinged elbows and knees, and cut wrist and waist. Most of the detail is painted on and it's done very, very well. 
character likeness is excellent, especially when you consider the scale, medium, and style. Art Asylum has produced several waves of Star Trek Minimates, most of which are TOS, but not entirely. Picard and Sisko have several iterations, the Borg have a couple of figures, and Gul Dukat has a couple as well. That said, all five series are represented, as well as the TOS and TNG movies. The Tiwak Khan is awesome! But that's not all. A couple of years ago, Art Asylum released a collection of miniature Constitution class enterprises of varying flavors. All have a unique, almost cartoony proportion that fit the Minimate line really, really well. The saucer section and deflector dish are hinged, and while the deflector dish is simply for storing some really neat included mini accessories, the saucer section reveals a removable captain's chair and mini bridge. Okay, honestly, mini bridge is a bit of an overstatement. It's just a small, hollowed out saucer section big enough for a captain's throne in one mini mate. But its set comes with a unique sticker that can be applied to the inner edges and accurately reflects the variety of ship you purchased. Some of those said variants include the base model with Command Uniform Kirk, the Cage variant with Command Uniform Captain Pike, the ISS Enterprise with Mirror Kirk, and the Trouble with Tribbles version with Green Tunic Kirk. And Tribbles! Again, each version isn't simply a swap of included mini-mates, but also tweaks to the model including coloring and nacelle changes. I'm looking at you, nacelle antenna. Currently, Star Trek mini-mates vary greatly in price. Check Amazon and eBay for consistent results, but also check out Big Bad Toy Store as they are a very reliable site, or roam your local comic or collectible stores. I've got the Tribble and Mirror versions of the Enterprise, most of the Star Trek collection, and several other mates from other IPs including Battlestar Galactica, Back to the Future, The Walking Dead, Marvel, and DC Comics, and I recommend them all very highly. So there you have it. Sometimes your shattered, broken heart can be mended by little molded plastic men. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We would love to hear from you, so please don't be shy. Let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars, we'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. If you haven't already seen the pictures from all the festivities at Star Trek Las Vegas, then you're going to want to go ahead and visit our Facebook page right now. In them, you'll see more than a few pictures from Uber fan Chris Keen of Speak Pipe fame, who kept us entertained pretty much, like, the whole time. While we were there, as a matter of fact, he sent us yet another of one of his infamous voicemails. Let's have a listen. Hi, this is Chris Keen. Um, I'm currently in a very cold bath because someone's taken all the hot water. Um, seeing as I had the time, I thought I would um, say thank you for having me on as a guest. It's been super nice getting to know everybody um, in Vegas this last couple of weeks. And, and it's stuff I never thought I would do, is meeting you and certainly being a guest um, on your show. And so, oh my God. It's so cold. Hot. Mike! Can you bring the heater in? Why? Oh, because all the hot water's gone. It's freezing. Yeah, yeah, just, just bring it in, will you? Just plug it over there. Where do you want it? Well, just put it there. Well, no, don't... Well, don't no, don't hand it to me! Ah! 
Yeah, I, so we were we were actually in one of our rooms uh, hanging out when we listened to this voicemail together. And we were pleasantly surprised that he had done it while oh my God. at Vegas. Yeah. I like, know. It, we, uh, like, uh, I never would have thought how? that he would have done it, but... But he did, but he did, and he got his friend involved, uh, Mike. his friend Michael, Mike, Mike and uh, yeah, this, it was, uh, I, th- this was, you know, it, Chris Keene is now a friend, you know, like, mm-hmm. everybody that I've had the opportunity yeah. of meeting at Vegas, like, Mike, uh, uh, Bruno, um, Lucas, Dr. Hurt, who started as a fan of the show and then became part of the show, like they're all friends now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and it's just it's a really warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, it is. No, it is. It completely is. That came out really uh, insincere, but it's totally not. <laughs> um, Chris Keene, you are basically a genius, a legend, a leg end, a leg end, a leg end, a leg end. Yes. So, in addition to the inimitable Chris Keen. I hope I used that word right. We had loads and loads of great feedback from our coverage of the con so far. So thank you to everyone who took the time to write in, and we've got a few examples. Gavin Runeblade commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great show, loved all the interviews. Totally envious how you got to meet the whole art team. Waves, Taco Fangs is number one giant foam finger. Now, to be completely honest, I am envious of us at all the amazing people from the cryptic dev team that we got to speak to because they had a huge team there. I don't remember how many people were there. It was like 16. It was something crazy like 16. Like 16 um, across all the disciplines. So you had art people and content people and systems systems people. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing to meet all of them. You know, these are people that we've talked to over the years on the phone, on Skype, um, and you don't, I mean, you you develop a bit of a repertoire, but then actually seeing these people in person, hanging out and getting to meet with them at the I-bar and, you know, yeah. chat and have a drink and whatever, it, it's a totally different world. And it was amazing. And I, I'm really appreciative that they took so much time to, to come and talk to us. Um, that was, it blew my mind. So you know what this reminded me of, actually, and, and having access to so many of the dev team um it reminded me of of our trips to cryptic in the past like i, I know you guys haven't gone yeah. but um there were enough of the dev team there where it, it I, I had that sense you know we've sat down at a table um with groups of teams like like you guys did with the art team mm-hmm. um very reminiscent to to our trips to cryptic and and so it was it, like you said it's really it was really fun to have so many of them there, and good for them too, right? Yep. You know, these were these were a lot of first-time con attendees that came. Uh, for instance, Jeremy, that was his first yep. STLV mm-hmm. convention, um, and so good for them. You know, good for them that they all kind of took some time off to to represent Star Trek Online, also unwind a little bit, and also ce- celebrate Star Trek. Yeah, agreed. Yep. And getting to spend time with them as well. Like you're saying we, we've had this professional sort of repertoire with them, but also having a more friendly one as well, if you want to yeah. use that. Yeah. It was like really nice to get to know them as people beyond what they do and beyond interviewing them. And I like to think that they got a kick out of me uh, cosplaying as yeah, that was, the Easter eggs. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. 
So, Trishaline74 wrote to us about episode 282. This was a great episode. It's so dense with good stuff, I need to go back and listen again later. Thanks, team. Now, honestly, the whole week was so mm. dense with good stuff. Um, personally, it's taken me a week or two to even sort of digest it all in my own head. Um, I, I wanted to talk with you guys a little bit today about what I thought was the best part. Um, it was not the celebrities, because I didn't meet any celebrities. Well, I met a couple of celebrities, but, you know. Um, but it wasn't our panel. It wasn't anything. It was actually it was meeting our listeners, because we had so many people that would come up to us at our table and introduce themselves and say, oh, I've listened to Priority One podcast, and it's so great to meet you guys, and it was so much fun. I wanted to hear from the rest of you guys uh, what it was like for you meeting our listeners, and if you have any sort of favorite stories or things like that. For me, it was surreal. Was it, Elijah, was it Bruno you introduced me to, who's been listening like uh, since maybe. episode eight? Oh, yes, yes. And yep. someone who's been listening that long, because I really admit, I, when I left, I kind of handed the show over and, and at one point never expected to come back. But to be, to come back and then to be there this year and then someone say, I've been listening since episode eight, that was a really, I don't want to say somber, but like it was a really sort of hitting, touching moment for me going, wow. When you really have been listening that long. Wow, yeah. Yeah, because when did you leave around episode 33? It was 33. It was 33. And then for someone who listened that long and to say, I wish I'd been listening since the start. I I mean, it just, it kind of stunned me a little bit. When you really have, and for me, that was the first sense I've ever gotten of people have actually listened to this show. I know that sounds incredibly stupid, but to come up and say and like people saying oh I heard you in the corridor I didn't see you I've heard yeah. your voice yeah. and now I'm meeting you and and there's at one point I'm I'm like doing the whole I'm doing the whole spiel hi Jill's in the podcast yeah Jill's in the one yeah and you're Mark so I am yes <laughs> exactly yeah people coming up and going are you Kenna and I'm like <laughs> yes <laughs> and you are <laughs> uh, just it's amazing um, for me, it was uh, absolutely fantastic meeting fans of the show. I like, met so many interesting people and I had some really great nights, uh, you know, like talking to them at the eye bar or the mass Nights, bar mornings. <laughs> yeah, nights and <laughs> yeah. mornings. Um, uh, like, there was one night, uh, 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 one particular listener, uh, I think his um, Twitter handle is Quasi uh, or Jason. And um, uh, Tony was there and uh, Jason and. It's like four o'clock in the morning, and for some reason I got very, very hungry, and I said, "I'm going up to Smash Burger to get something to eat." And the other two guys were like, "Yeah, do you know I'm getting kind of hungry too?" And we all went up and got food at like four o'clock in the morning. It was fantastic. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. So you know, I've been to Vegas. You know, this is my fifth year, and oh, I'm, please. so I'm very uh, used to spare me. No. Um, <laughs> It's marked to what you said about um, listeners saying, you know, I was walking down the corridor or I was walking past the table. I heard your voice and it took me a second, but then I was able to identify you. I remember Dr. Hurt, actually, like the the first year I met him at Vegas. Um, So he listens to us at like 1.5 times the speed. (laughs) What? (laughs) You must sound like a chipmunk. I'm assuming almost a chipmunk. And so he was like, it's really hard to talk to you now because I usually listen to you faster 
and it's, speaking in conversation, it's so much slower than what I'm used to, <laughs> um, which is which is funny. Oops, I yes. found funny. Um, but you know, I, I say this every year. Um, I said it on the podcast panel, the summit, um, that it's a very humbling experience. You know, it, it, it's and it's every year there's somebody new that introduces himself, right? I think of I think of Lucas, I think of Jason, I think of of Chris. You know, Chris, who's been a part of the show now for for quite some time. You know, we get excited when he leaves a voicemail. Yeah. Um, but still, meeting him in person was was. I mean, world's different. Yeah. But meeting these new faces who who come up to us and introduce themselves as listeners of the show uh, is always – it takes me back. You know, it's, it's a very touching experience because, you know, we do this show – even when we did it live. When we did it live, we had a lot of the same faces, you know, showing up in the chat, mm-hmm. and, they, and that became a family. Yep. But it's still very much a bubble, right? It's still – we're in our – we're in our living rooms. We're in our bedrooms, bathrooms for shivery bean, um, <laughs> and and we don't, you know, we don't, we're not interacting. It's not a, it's not a live show. Yeah. And even when we were live, it was very, it, it was still looking at a screen. Yeah. But being able to talk with, shake hands with, you know, hug, you know, what is, it's a much different experience. Mm-hmm. Um. Now I look forward to going back and seeing Bruno, seeing Isaiah, seeing Mike, you know, and then hopefully again seeing Chris and seeing Jason and seeing Lucas, you know, meeting these people again. And then being at a party in somebody's suite, Barfleet's party. Thank you, Barfleet, for, for the invitation and for opening your doors to, to members of the, the uh, Star Trek Las Vegas community. Um, and I met... Kayla and I met Cassie, who both listened to the show. Wow. Uh, again, new listeners that, that I had no idea that, mm-hmm. you know, they've never written in before, yeah. uh, or at least maybe they have, and it's a name that I'm not familiar with. Um, it, 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 again, it's just moving, right? Because, and I say this every week, and, and I know that it sounds repetitive, but I, every week, every time I say it, I try to say it and show that it's from the heart. And what, I, what I'm talking about is because of you, none of this would be possible. And it's true. It's, true. Mm-hmm. it's 100% true. Not just our Patreon subscribers, who we are so very grateful for, but also to the listeners who download us and, and, and invite us into their lives every Monday morning, mm-hmm. you know, on their commute to work or their commute to school. Uh, you know, I, I, I am honored that you would invite us. Yeah. Yeah. So that... You know, so I, 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 you know, we, we were talking in the the um, in pre-production for the show in a production meeting for this episode. Um, you know, and something that I wanted to to try to to try to encourage was for you, the listener who maybe has never written in, or maybe has never tweeted at us, or maybe has never written or commented on Facebook. I encourage you to do that because you. You, you really have no idea how impactful that is to us. It's not an ego thing. It's, it's, it actually kicks me in the ass, right? <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me realize I have a responsibility mm-hmm. to continue to produce quality content with the help of Kenna, Mark, Winters, right? With their contributions as well as volunteers to this production. 
to continue to produce something that you will enjoy listening to every Monday morning. Yeah. So what we want to do is is find a way to highlight that, highlight you, the listener, who may that, that silent listener, that silent majority. Um, <laughs> so from now on, every month, you know, we want to hear your Trek story. We want to spotlight your Trek story. You know, what got you into Star Trek? Um, so write into us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Tell us your Trek story. You know, maybe it's how you found out about Trek. Maybe you remember your very first episode that you watched or who you, or who you watched it with. You know, maybe it's changed your life or, or guided your career. And, and I, wanna, I would love to know about that. You know, I think we as a team want to know about that. Yeah. Yep. Meeting you drives us to do better. But what I, what I want to avoid is this gap between the years. You know, this gap between the months at conventions. I want to keep that communication going. I want to keep that relationship moving forward. So we want to spotlight you. And we want to spotlight how you got into Trek. So please, we encourage you to shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with your Trek story. How did it influence you? Did it influence your career? Do you remember your first episode? Who you watched it with? So again, send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. If we haven't met you yet, introduce yourself. Tell us your story. If we have met you, then... Let's not let the months go by before we talk again. Well, that wraps it up for episode 283 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community question for this week. From our discussion in Trek It Out, what's your most memorable comedic scene in Star Trek? And please don't forget that we want to learn about your Star Trek story so that we can share it with the rest of our community. Don't forget to email directly to us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, you know that we love hearing from you. So leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget right on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review. And more importantly, help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria DePost, and Gavin Lawar. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, Captains, from the bottom of our hearts, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. I was going to say something else, but I just had to stop. Okay, wait. All right. Hi, this is Chris Keen. <laughs> Hi, this is Chris Keen. <laughs> Hi, Chris Keen here. <laughs> so, um. I should have impressed him. But before we go, here's our community questions for this week. Here are our community questions. Here's our community questions. Actually, here it's just the our, one. Here. No, here here's our, our, here's our community. No, because it's plural or two community questions. Yeah, but there's not really. There's only one community question and then a different one. Oh, yeah. And then it's, yeah. and also, please don't. Sorry, forgive me. Okay. My apologies. From our discretion, discretion, discretion. I'm so tired, you guys. Discretion. Suck it up. From our dis. Uh, can I talk? You never stop. Can oh. Can you listen? <laughs> Cannot finish. Cannot finish. Cannot finish. Hey. <laughs> Captains. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous. Descent Underground and many, many. Can we get that Pokemon Go out of the <laughs> Pause every time. You did. You did. You stumbled. Um, you totally stumbled. Uh, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna say anything. That was brilliant. <laughs> you nearly pulled it off. Like so close. Come on, that brought a tear to your eye. You it know. did. It did totally. <laughs> it totally did. I was thinking. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Because it's so true. We say it every week, and it's so no. true. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's definitely for bloopers. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, everybody hit stop. Come back to me, Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> <You just> <laughs> <laughs>